0: Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. I'm going to tell you, if nothing else took place today, it has been good to be in the house of the Lord. It has been... It has been so good. Thank you for being a part of a Connect Church. Thank you for being here today. Uh, it's my joy to welcome you and to, and to let you know that, man, I tell you what, as we continue on in our series in John, remember the chief end, and that is to connect everyone with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and we're glad that you're here. If you're visiting... And we are honored by your presence. Thank you for coming. And I pray today that you are encouraged and you're lifted up uh, in Christ. Now, I want to say something about this weekend. Uh, This weekend was incredible. There's a a saying going around uh, the church world that the two greatest sounds in the church are men who sing and babies who cry. But I'm going to add a third. You ready? And that is teenagers who worship. It's one of the best sounds in all of the church. Listening and hearing teenagers worship, and we had the joy of doing that this past week with you guys. And I want to say this, too, before we go uh, too far into the sermon. Get your kids, get your teenagers in youth group. Now, listen, I I know how it is. Teenagers' lives are more complicated and busy than perhaps they've ever been. But I want you to hear me. It's more than just a tagline we have on a shirt. We are convinced that Jesus changes everything, including your teenager. I'm going to tell you something. I am the product. The reason I stand here today is because my home church that I love, First Baptist Sevierville, invested in. One of the greatest youth pastors of all time, Scott Carter, invested in students just like me who did not know Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something: the reason I'm able to walk with him today is because I was in a youth group. Now, listen, and I know it's hard to try new things, but 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 I don't want to go to youth group. I, I understand that, but there's days they don't want to go to school. And there's days they don't want to go to practice and there's days when they have a doctor's appointment they just don't want to go. But we make sure they get there because we know it's for their good. So I want to encourage you. If you've not tried youth group, you ought to. Parents, let's get them here. And let's make much of Jesus together. We're so excited about what God did in this past weekend uh, through the life of our student ministry. So glad uh, that you are here now. Uh, back in September, towards the end of September, I and my daughter Avery, as a picture of us, we joined our Colorado mission team as we established some relationships with local church planners. I stayed over an extra day, in that morning and that early afternoon, Avery and I kind of solidified our partnerships with some church planners that over the next month you're going to hear more about. But at the end of that day, I found out you could take a Jeep through the Rocky Mountains. And so, man, we rented us a Jeep. And listen, you got to drive it. And we were really Jeeping out there. And it was awesome. We found ourselves over 11,000 feet in elevation, nearly two times the size of Mount LeConte in elevation in the Rocky Mountains. And we had an absolute blast. Well, we pulled over and we stopped because the jeep in front of us, our guide, said, hey, listen, I want to point something out to you. In front of you is the great continental divide, the hydrological divide of our side of the world. It's a mountainous range that goes all the way from Alaska through Canada through the middle of the United States down through Mexico and South America. And really what it is, it's really two watersheds. That means this. Depending on which side of this divide a raindrop would fall would determine where that raindrop ends up. For instance, if a raindrop were to fall on that divide and find itself over on the west side, guess what would happen? At some point, that raindrop would wind up in the Pacific Ocean. If it were to fall on the east side of that great divide, it would find itself in the Mississippi River or the Rio Grande River. It all just depends on what side that raindrop on. And here we are, in John chapter 3, and there is a great spiritual divide, a chasm, a gulf that exists between the religion of Nicodemus and the relationship that Jesus is offering him through faith. On one side of this divide, there are those who are safe from their sin and on the others who are condemned in their sin. On the other side of this chasm are those who believe and there are those who do not believe. On one side of the gulf are those who experience spiritual death and on the other side those who have experienced spiritual life. And the question of John chapter 3 is which side will Nicodemus fall? Which side will Nicodemus fall on? So today we continue to explore one of the most celebrated verses in all the Word of God. John chapter 3, verse 16. Y'all might have heard of this one. Listen to this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him, Jesus tells Nicodemus, will not perish but have everlasting life. Hey, real quick, church. Don't let that verse get old to you. Don't let this verse lose its wonder in your heart and in your mind. Last week, we camped out on two words for God. This week, we, go, we advanced two words as well. And today, we camp out with the two words, so love. I love this word so right here in the Greek language, which is the, the language of the New Testament. It's a word that's in there that, by the way, doesn't have to be in there. It's a word that Jesus included that he didn't have to include. In the Greek, it's hutos. And what it really does is it shows us the intensity by which God loves us. I love that Jesus put a word in here that he didn't have to in order just to fortify, in order just to establish for us. The intensity of God's love for us. In fact, later on in John, uh, the author of this very same gospel, he would write to believers. And he stated this statement. I love this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. He simply says, hey, you ready? God is love. And he goes on and says, this is how God showed his love. Hey, if you don't believe me that God is love, let me prove it to you by what I'm fixing to tell you. And he showed his love among us he sent his one and only son into the world that we might believe through him hey does anybody hear the echoes of John 3:16 and 1 John 4 and i hear the echoes god is love he states love is not something that god just feels it's not just an emotion that god experiences john reminds us it is who god is so today i want us to celebrate three characteristics of god's love now listen Anthony, is this an exhaustive list of God's love? Are you kidding? As if we could exhaust it today. But I'm going to share with you three that stood out to me as I read this verse and studied this verse this past week. And here's my prayer that it is encouraging. This will be an exciting time, but also an empowering time for those of us who are in Christ. So I echo the prayer of Paul. When, when wrestling with, with enjoying, with savoring this idea of God's love in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. He prays this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and he goes on and says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp, watch this, how wide, how long, and how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, And so that is to the end that we pray, and that is to the end that I preach today. That you would arrive here in Ephesians chapter 3. So when it comes to the love of God, here's the first characteristic I want us to see. You ready? We find that it is a love that is undeniable. A love that is undeniable. Now back in 1984, long before any of us were alive, there was a song that came out by a pretty incredible artist. By the name of Tina Turner, you ready? It was actually a song that asked a very important question. Here it is, you ready? What's love? Bunch of pagan people. It got to do with it, right? Listen in secular music. Great song. Asked an important question. And you know what's amazing in the text? What Jesus begins to teach Nicodemus is that God's love has everything to do with it your salvation and mine, our hope, our joy, and our peace. Hear me, the love of God for us in Jesus has everything to do with it. Now, I want us to do something. I want us to take a moment, and I want us to notice what Jesus didn't say in John chapter 3, verse 16. He didn't say, for God so hated the world, that God so despised the world. That God was so mad at the world, that God was so wrathful towards the world, or that God so loved the world. He also didn't say that God so pitied the world or felt sorry for the world, or um, began to try to put on a front or to fake it for the world, to virtue signal for the world. It doesn't say that God went woke for the world. For God so loved the world. Now some of you in your mind might be thinking... You might be thinking, hey, look, God's love is a New Testament phenomenon. I don't see a lot of God's God's love back in the Old Testament, so I must take you back to just one point to remind you of when Moses cried out to God, show me your glory, and God did so and allowed Moses just to see the leftovers of his glory. And here's the testimony of God about himself and he meaning God passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord the Lord the compassionate gracious God slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness rebellion and sin yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished Guys, no matter where I look in scripture God's love for his creation primarily his Prize possession, His image bears you and me. It is evident and it is undeniable in Scripture. Now, I want to issue just a little bit of a warning. But let's step back for a moment. Because we've got to be careful not to conflate God's love with God being willing to allow sin to destroy the lives of His kids. Ms. Fela Ott posted this Maybe this past week, and I loved it, from Tim Keller, a great pastor and author. And it says this, the real danger is not atheism when it comes to the church. You ready? But the danger is, is that we ask God to coexist comfortably with the idols or the sin of our hearts. You ready? I got to thinking about this text and and, and this warning came up just as I I was writing out my sermon. And here's the point I came to. You ready? John 3, 16 does not teach that God so loved your sin, but that he so loved your soul. Hear me, church. God doesn't love your sin. He loves your soul. You see, God's love is not a crutch upon which we continue in sin. Rather, it is the very thing that compels us to hate our own sin and to cling and to hang on to Jesus. You see, the motivation behind God's affection for us is his love. And here's the thing. When it comes to God, he doesn't have to love us. He wants to love us. He desires to love us. He doesn't love us because he has to. He loves us because he wants to. It is an act of God's will to love you and to me. His love is undeniable, meaning this, that it is indisputable, it's incontrovertible, it is incontestable, and for the believer, it is inescapable. Church, I want to agree with Paul Washer. By the way, every time I preach on God's love, I'm sharing this verse the time he wrote this, that I've given Jesus a thousand reasons not to love me and not a one of them have changed his mind. He loves us. How do I know? You see, his word teaches it. The experience of every believer in this room preaches it and the cross validates it. God's love for you and for me and Jesus is undeniable. They still don't believe me. Take John up on his invitation in First John chapter three to see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. In some of your versions, the sons and the daughters of God, and that is what we are. He writes. Now I tell you, I uh, this is my this is my youngest daughter Sadie. Man, I love this girl. Man, she she's got her daddy's heart. Uh, we bought one iPhone. For all four of our kids. And literally we have that thing so restricted. All they can do is text their daddy. They love them. Right? Like that's all they can do on it. And I love that. Maybe mom too. But anyway. Um, they send us texts all the time. Every day. Perhaps while I'm preaching. I will have a text come through from one of my kids. That says. I love you daddy. So, so, so. Much. Right? Now I love these texts. And I get them all the time. Well. The <laughs> Two weeks ago maybe, I was with our staff on retreat. So we'd spent the night with our staff and we were in a cabin. And and my daughter Sadie texts me. And she texts me and she says, Daddy, she's six years old. She goes, Daddy, my heart misses you. And then she followed it up with, "And Daddy, my heart hurts you. And I was like, (laughs) what? And I, I read that and I was like, You ever get a little freaked out by your kids, right? That was one of those moments I got a little scared, wondering what the motivation was. And and I asked her, I said, hey, Sadie, can I use this text for my sermon? And we talked through it. She's like, I wrote that. I was like, you did? I said, it's funny and it's cute. Can I share that? She's like, yeah. And I said, you know what happened? You just, that, that was just kind of a mixed message, and it was kind of cute and funny. Hey, can I tell you something about the word of God and the love of God? There are no mixed messages. Hear me. For God so loved you, and for God so loved me. It's a love that's undeniable. It also is a love that is unattainable. Let me unpack this word just for a little bit. Uh, give me a few moments here. The word love in John chapter 3, verse 16, carries really with it an important meaning. Now, in the English language, as with so many languages, context is king, right? Because watch this. I love Jesus. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my family. I love tacos. I love bacon. I love pizza. I love, I love football. I love naps. You, you begin to see that, that when it comes to this conversation of love, there's a lot of meanings, right? And context is king, and so it is in the Greek language, the language of the New Testament, that we begin to find the importance of the context of the love that's spoken about. Now, in the Greek language, there's four words used, and that is translated love in our Bible. Let's just go through them real quick. The first one is phileo love, and this really means a brotherly type love. This is the love that friends share one to another. The city of Philadelphia actually derives their name from this Greek word, right? Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love, right? There's another type of love that we find translated in the New Testament, and that's storge love. That's the familial love, right? Like, I love my mama. I love my kids, and I love most of the rest of my family. Right? That's that family love that we have. There's a third, and there's eros love. Now, this is a sexual, a sensual love. It's not used like the other two types of love really at all in in the Bible, and it's never used in relationship with God. And there's part reasons for that, but part of that is is that this word was very much associated with the Greek God of love whose name was eros. And so the Bible just steers clear of this meaning of the word. In fact, the Romans have this very same idea in their mythology that they don't call the God of love Eros, they call him Cupid, right? So happy Valentine's Day, good luck with that guy. So anyway, so we have this type of Eros love, it's not used in the word of God, and then we have perhaps our favorite love of all, and that's agape love. And we see that described all throughout the word of God. And in its context, It's a description of God's love for us. It speaks of a self-sacrificial type of love. And in the right context, it is a supernatural, it is a spiritual love that is initiated by God. It emanates from Him, and faith makes it effectual in our lives. And in fact, agape is the love we see Translated in John chapter 3, verse 16. One author said this about agape love it expresses the purest, the noblest form of love, which is volitionally driven. What's that V word mean? <laughs> that means this it was an act of God's will, not motivated by superficial appearance, emotional attraction, or sentimental relationship which so much of the love that we see in our culture exists today. Not so with God's love. When it comes to this type of love, we are not talking about merely an emotion, a feeling of something that you fall into or, or you fall out of. But as another author open, uh, or noted about agape love was this, that it speaks of a love which is awakened by a sense of value and an object which causes one to prize it. Think of that. It awakens this type of love, a sense in us, to see the value of somebody else. And such love causes us to prize them. That they are our prize. Meaning this, that God prizes you. That you are his prize in Jesus. I got to thinking a little bit about this type of love. And it reminds me of this, how God can see value in someone maybe that nobody else can. Or maybe that you don't even see in yourself. So here's the key, and I'm going to have to advance too because I think my slides are a little out. Here's the key, ready? Agape love is not a love you earn. It's a love that only God can give. Now, you got to let this camp out a little bit, you ready? Agape love is not a, a love that you can attain or achieve in and of yourself. It is only a love that God can give. So you ready? Stop trying to earn his love and just simply be loved by him. Yes, let his love spurn you on to good works and to godliness and to goodness, but stop trying to earn what has already been freely given to you in Jesus. You ready? He did the work. Now you do the worship. You do the worship. That's what agape love looks like. In fact, you say, well, Anthony, what does it mean to worship? What does it mean that I do the worship? Watch this in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. In the context of Jesus being questioned, what is the greatest commandment of all? Jesus replied to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. You ready? You know what Jesus was telling them? Hey, you are to love God with everything. And what's amazing here is Jesus uses the word for love, agape. That is how you show love in light of the love that God has given you. That you, you worship him with everything. Because he is our prize. He is our greatest affection. And it means this, that we love him with everything we have. In light of this, in light of this love that is unattainable, meaning I cannot earn it, only God can give it. The only justified, the only reasonable response to that believer is that I'm going to love him with everything through worship. Not to attain his love. But to enjoy and to walk in the freedom of being loved by Jesus. It's a love undeniable. It's a love unattainable. And it's also a love that's unbreakable. A love that is unable. Breakable. I love what Jeremiah would write in Jeremiah 31:3. It says this: that the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, "I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with my unfailing kindness. I have loved you with an everlasting love unless you mess up." Huh? Unless you sin, hey, unless you struggle. Unless you're you're perfect. None of those conditional clauses exist there. What does it say? I have just, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Max Lucado in his book, Just Like Jesus would write about God's love, and I love this. He says this, that God's love never ceases, never. Though we spurn him, ignore him, reject him, despise him, disobey him, he will not change. Our evil cannot diminish his love. Our goodness cannot increase increase it. Our faith does not earn it any more than our stupidity jeopardizes it. God doesn't love us less if we fail, more if we succeed. God's love never ceases. But it's not just Max Lucato in his book that seems pretty convinced. I look over in Romans chapter 8 and I see Paul writing, verse 35, he says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? On to verse 37, he says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, hear me. His love is unbreakable because we're easily broken. But listen. The love he has for us is unbreakable because you and I are all too easily broken. There's a, uh, a website, a podcast, a resource for marriages that if you've not discovered, I, I want to point you to today. Over the next two weekends, we're going we're gonna to do this in our marriage conference, but it's called Fierce Marriage, and I love it some really good content for believers who are married. And and they had a post the other day. I just want to share it with you because, man, it really sums up what type of love we're talking about. And here's what they said. I love you, but I'm not in love with you is a lie. Hey, Hey, listen to me. I've heard it a thousand times. As marriages cream off a cliff, somebody sits in my office in front of me and says, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. And I love what she writes here. It is a lie. She goes on to say, Love that begins and ends with your own happiness isn't love. It is selfishness with a mask on. Every time. Every time. And then she goes on and writes, and I I love the way she writes here. One of the truest markers of genuine love is staying power. Staying power. It's longevity, it's ability to persevere, it's the ability to withstand. This is the type of love Christ shows us, and it's the type of love we're called to express in marriage. And I love that. Here's what we know about the love of God. You ready? The love that is revealed to us in John chapter 3 verse 16 is a love that has staying power. It has longevity because he is able to persevere, because he is able to withstand. And I want to make a statement that might just kick you in the gut, but you ready? Hey, thank God God doesn't love us like some of us love our spouses. And by the way, if that hits you wrong, if that was a shot in the gut to you, two steps. Step one, repent of your sin. And step two, love your spouse like Jesus loves you. Love your spouse like Jesus loves you. You see, there are false loves out there that use us. There's a false love that abuses. There's a false love that confuses. There's even a false love that misuses. But his love, the love seen in John chapter 3, verse 16, is a love that refuses us to leave us to die in our own sin. Rather, it is a love that welcomes us in and saves us by grace. And so here's three take-homes. Here's three challenges for us. Number one. In light of a love that is undeniable, we must not deny a lost and dying world the gospel through our inaction. Can I ask you something? Really, what good is it that we meet here together today? If we sit here and talk about how much we enjoy His love, knowing people outside of this room need it, they need Him, and yet our time together never leads to an action outside of these walls to tell this lost and dying world of the love of Jesus. What good is it that we've gathered? Shut the doors. Turn out the light. Cut off the fog machine. And find something else better to do with your time. Here's the second takeaway from this. In light of a love that is unattainable, we must help people attain, meaning we must help them gain access to, to realize the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the third takeaway. In light of a love that is unbreakable, we must take Jesus to people who've been broken by sin. You say, well, Anthony, what do people who've been broken by sin look like? Man, look around you in this room. Get your phone out. Look at the selfie image right back at you. We all know what it's been to be broken by sin. But you know what else we've all known? Is this love that Jesus has for us. And that somewhere along the way, someone loved us enough to tell us about his love. A couple months ago, Tom called me. Tom in the first service sat right back there. Joshua, you are. He called me on the phone and I hadn't talked to Tom in forever. You see, my, my brother Dominic, Pastor Dominic, played soccer with his boy. I knew him that way. But let me tell you the reason why I love Tom and his wife Donna. Because they gave us two of the greatest blessings on the planet years ago. And that's my dogs. That's Willow and that's Oakley. Beautiful Shelties we love. We bought it off of Tom and Donna. Now listen, Willow and Oakley, they were Christian dogs and they're now with Jesus. And I know there's some theological issues there. But not today. All right. Let's just agree Cats don't make it to heaven. All dogs do. So here we go. You ready? <laughs> and so, hey, let, let, let's, yeah, let's stay focused here. <laughs> Trust me, I had cat lovers after the last service just come at me. Um, security. Um, they gave us Swill and Oakley. Two months ago, Tom calls me. Anthony, I hadn't talked to him in years. Donna's died. His precious wife. Would you do the funeral? And I, absolutely, I'm so sorry to hear about Donna. And, and so I prepared and went and did a, a gravesite over at Ashley's. Some of their land. And, and honestly, I spent 15 minutes there. So by the way, if you're in the market for a quick gravesite, hit me up. 15 minutes. Celebrated her life. Celebrated the time when I was over at First Sevierville. She came through Judgment House. And she gave her heart and her life to Jesus. Shared the gospel with her family. Loved on Tom and Ty and their whole family. And I left. Ever since then, Tom and his family's been in Connect Church, which I mean I love. Two weeks ago, maybe three now, Tom calls me and says, Anthony, my wife Donna, remember she passed away. Her sister wants you to baptize her. And I could tell there was some excitement in his voice. I said, man, I'll baptize anybody anywhere as long as they're in Jesus. He said, can I give you her husband's number? I said, shoot it my way. And so I called Craig, Debbie's husband. I said, hey, Craig, this is Pastor Anthony. I think we met at the funeral. And man, I hear your wife wants to be baptized. He said, yes, but let me tell you the story. I said, okay. And so I could tell immediately, there's sometimes where I meet another believer that immediately I go, Man, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, I could tell it. Like, just right away, he was one of those on the phone. I could tell he loved Jesus and he walked with Jesus. He said, Anthony, listen, I love him. I love Jesus and I walk with him. I got hurt at a church a long time ago. And it's been a struggle to get back in church. I said, man, I get that. He said, but my wife, she's lost. We've been married for decades. And she's fine with me going to church. But she wants nothing to do with God or Jesus. But we were at the funeral a couple weeks ago. And he said, after all this time, he said, you you just quickly shared the gospel and and the light switch turned on inside of her. And by the way, just so you know, just in case you think it was because I preached the gospel, no. I I met her for five minutes. Jesus has been after her ever since he created her in the womb, right? Just so you know that. And she came to her husband right afterwards and said, said, Craig, with tears, do you think that God would ever let me go to heaven? And he looked at his wife and said, Tebby, yes, but you've got to hear me. There's only one way, and it's Jesus. And she said, well, can you, can you show me how? And so I'm talking to him on the phone. I'm getting choked up. He's like, so Pastor Anthony, I've, I've started her in Genesis. And what I'm going to do is, can I just see your Bible, Justin, real quick? Is what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to start in Genesis with her. And what I've been doing ever since is I've been, I've been reading the scriptures and I've been showing her how the Old, Old Testament points to Jesus and, and, and the glory of Jesus and why we need him. He said, but Pastor, I don't have any resources. What would you, what would you recommend? I went, no, 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 you keep doing what you're doing. There is nothing more powerful than a husband who loves his wife reading scripture over her and leading her to Jesus. You keep going. He said, Anthony, she's coming to faith in Jesus. Would you baptize her? I said, man, absolutely. He goes, here's the thing. We live in New Hampshire. And I went, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He said, "Um, but if we could fly in, would you baptize her? And I said, well, you don't need me to baptize. Hey, fill up your bathtub. Go find a river. Go find a pool somewhere. Knock on the door of a local church. He said, no. You preached your sister's funeral. She heard the gospel. What you do, it will fly in. I said, I'll clear my calendar. And he says, there's just one more thing. I said, yeah, Craig. He says, I need to let you know I'm dying. And I said, What? He says, I have stage four cancer. And Anthony, I've got a couple months left. He said, but for so many years, I've asked God to save my wife. And for so many years, I've longed to see her follow the Lord in believer's baptism. He said, I have a treatment I've got to do right before Christmas. He says, Anthony, those treatments, they kill me, they wear me out. But by a week or two in January, I I, I think I'm going to be strong enough. And if we book some flights, will you baptize her? I said, Craig, buddy, I I will. But I wanted you to know, I'm so sorry you're you're going through this. And you know what he said to me? He said, don't be pastor. My body is dying and my body is weak. But I have never been more alive than I am now. But before I die, I've got to know that my wife's in Jesus. And so, last Sunday after church, they'd flown in from New Hampshire. And I baptized him and then I I got a chance to baptize his wife. And I got to thinking this week as I was preparing this message that uh, how incredible it is The love of a man for his wife. That for decades he has prayed for her. That in his dying days he is pointing her to Jesus and reading scripture over her. That in his weakest moments he's going to buy some plane tickets. So his wife can come and be baptized and follow the Lord. And I thought what a great love this husband has for his wife. Man, how does a a man love his wife that is dying, wishes that that he sees her be baptized? And then I got to remembering, for God so loved Craig that he gave his one and only son, that if Craig would just believe in him, he would not die spiritually, but he'd have eternal life. And that's how Craig was able to love his wife Debbie so good. You see, Jesus does change everything. It's not just on the shirts. His love changes everything. And I want to I want to kind of end this way. There are some of you in this room who are alcoholics. You wash over it. You say, no, no, listen, I'm a good drunk. I'm a happy drunk. I I can get along, but I want you to hear me. No matter how you gloss over it, I know it's killing you, and you know it's killing you, and I have one message for you today. That Jesus loves you. He he doesn't love your sin, but oh, how he loves your soul. Hey, hey, listen, in in this room right now are addicts. You might be good at hiding it, Maybe you're not so good at hiding it. But listen, it is destroying your life and you know it. And you may think that nobody in this world loves you, but I'm here to tell you, in light of John three sixteen, hey, He loves you. Not your sin, but your soul. I get to thinking maybe there's some folks who've been through divorce in here. And you've been convinced that God's done with you. And you are suffering in your soul. And I want you to hear me that Jesus loves you. He loves you. We have widowers, I have widows in this room, and lonely and isolation, loneliness and isolation is a common companion. And I need you to know today, the Lord sent me today to Plant Connect Church four years ago to simply get this message across to you ready. He loves you. He loves you. To those who are addicted to pornography and your shame and guilt overwhelm you, I want you to hear this. He loves you. To the perfectionist, I need you to hear this today. That he loves you even in your imperfection. To those whose hearts and minds are clouded with questions and doubts about God, listen to me. He loves you. He loves you. To those who've gone through tragedy and are hurting today, who won't cry right now where others can see but have spent countless hours crying into your pillow, crying out to God, "I I want you to hear me. He loves you. He loves you. To those with broken hearts, whose hearts and minds are overwhelmed by depression and anxiety. There have been thoughts of injuring yourself. All those things, I just want you to hear me. And let me shout into the darkness. He loves you. To those who sit there and think I've done nothing but mess up my life. Terrible decisions, I want you to hear me. He loves you. To the mom who thinks she can never be enough wonders if she loves her kids enough. He loves you. To the dad who's in here, who is plagued with insecurity, after insecurity, but you look tough on the outside, he loves you. You see, for God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, that if you just believe in him, You'd have everlasting life. You won't die in your sin. You will have everlasting life. You will have joy. There's a peace that comes alongside of it. He loves you. Let's pray together, can we? As we pray together, believer, the challenge is simple for you today. You Ready? I'm going to give you one minute to preach the gospel to yourself. That in your heart and your mind right now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to quote John three sixteen. Here's what I want you to do. I want to sub your name in. For God so loved Anthony that he gave his one and only son that if Anthony would believe that Anthony would not perish but have everlasting life. Hey, listen to me. We need to preach John 3.16 to ourselves and be reminded about a love that is undeniable, a love unattainable, and a love that is unbreakable. Preach John 3.16 to yourself right now. And as believers are praying, I know there's somebody here. In this slogan we've had for Catalyst Weekend, Jesus changes everything, you sit there because Jesus has changed nothing in you. you. Your testimony is, listen, Jesus hasn't changed anything in me. And why is that? Because there's yet to be a point in time in your life where you, by faith, gave your heart and life to Jesus and followed him. I have a message for you if that's you. Hey, Jesus loves you. He loves you. He died for you. He emptied that grave for you. And today He can give you life. Hey, don't believe me in the earlier service? I watched a dad and daughter sitting right next to each other, a little girl about my Sadie Bugs age, maybe a little bit older, about eight or nine. Said, hey, if you've asked Jesus to save you today, she looks up at me, and then her daddy looks up at me, and then they see each other and embrace I'm going to tell you something. Jesus can change everything for you right now. Why not cry out for him to save you? Maybe pray something like this from your heart to God's. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Please save me. I place my faith and my trust in you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sin. Thank you for rising again. I give you my life. Would you help me to turn from my sin and myself? Jesus, I am yours. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.